Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the ninth episode of Bruisers, brought to you by Rizzo Insurance, your go-to brewery insurance needs. Today, I was joined by four fathers' owners, Beth and Jason Lackney, and we had a great conversation about um, their philosophies when it comes to brewing beer, um, what you can expect from four fathers, how their distribution model has changed, and what they expect in the future. It's an awesome interview. It goes for about 40 minutes. Um, and it's one that you won't want to miss. Um, so uh, without further ado, here is our conversation with Beth and Jason Lackney. At one point, you're going to have to grow in equipment because mm-hmm. to expedite the time and to be able to service more. How do you maneuver between the cost of that into the management of like actually being able to make a living? Because that's got to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> it is trying yeah. to figure out um, avenues to bring in more revenue to justify like increased payroll. Mm-hmm. And but operating at like our minimum, mm-hmm. like that we have to operate at. Like we actually went through a phase where we were completely overstaffed. Yeah, and it was for us. For us, mm-hmm. like our size and whatever, completely overstaffed, and it was not necessary. And we learned our lesson with that. We but, did. Um, but yeah, it's just figuring out what the minimum is that we can operate at comfortably, and budgeting for for salaries that are appropriate and sure and how do you that's a lot of a trial by error right yep yeah absolutely you you don't there's not really a book out there you have this x barrel system you have this amount of employees you have this square footage and then it's like you got to figure it out yep Yep. and so what was that right time like what was it for you was it just like from a staffing side was just personality issues or just trying to keep everybody happy when you're overstaffed like that well what what our issue was at that time was that at the end of 2015 i had some health problems and i had to take Mm -hmm. time away for a couple months which put a lot of stress on our former business partners and then they felt like they needed some time away and it just there was this imbalance between Mm -hmm. the ownership and then we felt because of that we we needed some more hands to help um and then it ended up being like we hired too many hands to help and then you know we weren't there enough you know so there was so then there was an imbalance of you know us taking too much time away so i mean it just was like and we learned our lesson with that i mean customers were disappointed that when they came in they didn't really see the owners and then you know we had uh, we were paying too much in, in payroll. So interesting. Yeah. You know, you're, you're saying something that I've never thought of before. And how much do you th- do you like deliver to the success of a brewery to the relationship with the brewers? Is there, is there a lot of that? Is. Absolutely. Yeah, I think especially if you're going to be a, if you're if you're marketing yourself as a smaller brewery or you're you're positioning yourself in the market as a smaller brewery. I truly believe that those relationships are key, and I I believe that we have direct evidence of that. Absolutely. You know, with that period of time you know and and i just had a conversation with you know one of our good customers this past weekend on saturday and he was completely honest and transparent with us and he just said yeah you know he's like i i came to you guys all the time because i love like coming in and sitting in that captain's chair which is right by our like door that half Mm -hmm. door and like talking to you guys or you guys would just be like oh yeah you got a homebrew come on and back you know and come come sit down and talk to us and share 
And and he's like, and then when you guys got all these other people in there, he's like, I didn't see you guys as much, you know. And and so I think that though it's those conversations, as difficult as they are, were definitely key for us right. to know exactly how we need to structure moving forward. You know, it's fascinating. Yeah. So I mean, we still need to be able to take time. Like we'll hit it hard. We'll be there. We'll be yep. the face, a hundred percent. You know, but then we will need time to kind of break away and do our family things so that we could still balance that, you know. So it's definitely a That's a, a juggling act. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. you got all the, you know, stuff up in the air and you're trying not to to drop anything. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know? <laughs> sure. And I was going to ask, like, how much, because being the face of Local 219, I feel a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pressure, a lot of it is I have to be everywhere at the same time. And it's tough, yep. especially with the bigger we get. Yep. And so when you have to be the face of your of your business, like you're talking about, um, how much pressure do you feel about that? Is it is it consistent, especially when you are j- balancing a home life <laughs> and another job? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we we feel that all the time. And it's not even just being the face; it's also being you know the the heart of the production process too. Yeah, we're the <laughs> one of our employees calls him the grunt <laughs> of the business, and and and, and that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot that people don't realize that you know, goes into the brewing process and it's not just making the beer, it's, you know, there's a million and one steps and then he only Mm -hmm. has one other person in production besides him. And then, I mean, me, I dabble too, but, you know, for the most part, you know, you have to be a part of all of that all the time, Yep. you know, and. And there's no rest. No. With brewing, because it's like the second you're doing one batch, there's another one right behind yep. it you've got to plan for, yep. and then you've got to plan for the fermentation and the bottling yep. or the canning mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. you're doing yeah. behind it or the kegging. <laughs> and so it's like just one vicious cycle. Yeah. How do you yeah. create that? How do you like? How do, how do you like? First of all, decide what kind of beer you want to brew, and how do you kind of into, integrate like your current taps that you know that you're going to have on tap at all times to maybe the. Um, the fun of creation of a new one I, I a lot of it is i mean there is an art to it a lot of it is just feeling it out but then we are very i'd say that's that's probably 50 percent of it and then the other 50 percent is planning you know mm-hmm. so it's like we know what beers we need to brew for one and what beers we want to brew you know for the time period for the time of year you know because yeah. i mean the beautiful thing is we have all these awesome releases now and it's like that gives us a skeleton for the year you know yeah like we know wheelhouse has to go into barrels here we know wheelhouse has to come out of barrels here we know vikings got to be ready by this time we know x y like all these other beers that that we release throughout the year Mm -hmm. are scheduled and then we kind of fill in the gaps based on our capacity you know based on what we can do um so we and then we just kind of know okay besides these beers that need to get released what else do we need to do like what else do we want to do yeah, to have we want to do right but the ones we want yeah <laughs> right so we'll make a list like oh yeah we should brew revere's ride at this time you know it'd be really nice to have that beer for the fall you know we should brew you know whatever like hey yeah. we want to try out a brewed ipa which is the newer style like so we're you know we're getting ready to brew that tomorrow you know and so awesome. we'll have these things in the back of our heads and then it's okay then we'll have a production meeting where it's like beth me and matt will all sit down with a calendar in front of us and say yep. okay this needs to we need to do this here we need to do that there we it, plan for when the beers are going yeah. into tanks when they're coming out when all the dry hops are like I think, awesome. I when yeast is getting delivered yeah. when ingredients are getting ordered like we sit and we plan it out and we try to do like a couple months at yeah. a time so that we're we're not uh uh 
Planes. Scrambling. Yeah, because you know? there's nothing worse than chaos. No, right. we I can't think, do and the I, chaos I thing. think a lot of breweries do that. They do that type of planning. Some of them use software. We kind of rely on pen and paper. That's, I think, more of our style as a brewery. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's... but And we we still drop the ball here and there, you know, because, I mean, I, I've, I've done it personally several times where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, shoot, I didn't... Forgot to order yeast, you know. Yeah, so we're not yeah, gonna have yeast, yeah, so now yeah. we got to push that brew, and we got to put something else in its place, or or you forgot yeah. to, you know, order coconut right. in enough time for Valhalla. So oh yeah, <laughs> drive out to FedEx. Yes, oh. I, I took my two boys out to FedEx and Hammond, like yeah. to pick up the coconut right before they the closed, house. so that we could yeah. actually get the coconut in on time because we had the release date already set for yeah. Viking, so Ugh. there was no wiggle yeah. room there. Yeah. So we were like, oh, no. That was the one. I was trying to think of what it was. <laughs> really dropped the ball. Yeah, and like you were talking about, getting the kids yeah. in the car to do anything is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So that's enough, right? Yeah. So what, what, uh, what like trademark beers are that you can pretty much find every time that they go to Forefathers on tap? Well, one, <laughs> one, of the, one of the luxuries that I feel that we are afforded is our small size. Mm-hmm. And we change our taps all the time. So yeah. we have regulars that come in, you know, one month, and then the next month they come in, and all of our taps are probably different, you cool. know. And yeah. so we have people come in, they get flights, you know, because like, well, this is a whole new board. We're, <laughs> we're going to have to try everything, you know. Yeah. So I, and I feel like that's something that we love about being small because we can change it up. We can try new things, and everything is small, smaller batches. We're not doing 20 barrels at a time. So, you know, we're lucky i feel like in a way mm-hmm. to be able to have fun with it you know, yeah. and change it up yeah. and i think that's something that our customers like too but oh, then yeah. we do have those beers that people are like when are you going to brew this again yep. right we have a german style wheat that you know has been you know top of the list for a lot of people since mm-hmm. we opened so i have to brew that soon <laughs> well i know the um couple times i've been by the brewery you know being in velpo here's the problem with being a lake county guy and then going out to velpo is i know i'm not going to have a beer sure <laughs> you know so it's like there's a lot of the things the stars yeah. gotta align yep. for me to make it out there <laughs> you know i've got to have a designated driver because i know i'm going to have 15. I, I'm, I'm i'm cursed with uh binge drinking unfortunately <laughs> I can't just have one. Um, but at the same time, it's like the couple times I've been out there, it's like a really quaint space, which mm-hmm. is very homey. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like, uh, what size system are you working with at, at this point? Three barrels. Three barrels. Yeah, it's a three <laughs> barrel brew house. You know, we have three barrel tanks and a 10 barrel tank. Awesome. That we triple batch into, yeah. yeah. That's so, so yeah, cool. it's crazy tiny, you know. Yeah, for and a, sure. And a million journeyman barrels. And our tap room capacity, like, is max 34 people. So, oh, so I mean, it's exact yeah, 34. Exactly, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah. Does it <laughs> so get it over that? Tight. Sure. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> it does. But the parties you guys throw, I mean, you've got that whole parking lot, so it really does expand the, the yeah. like, what you guys can bring in attendance. Yeah. And we all know from running events, that probably takes up a good portion of your time being such a short operation yep. yeah. of planning these events, right? Because you've got to mm-hmm. get the stage, you've got to get the tents. Yep. Um, how, how much do you guys want to kind of incorporate? Because how many bottle releases do you have now? You got them off the top of your head? We have three official. Three official. Three so official. that's, you know, because we're working on anniversary, other ones Yeah, too, anniversary yeah. party. Uh, we always try to do Sloth Love Chunk. Yep. That's always like springtime release. Mm-hmm. And I've then had that. That was awesome. Viking is always like a September. Del- delicious. Thank you. And then um, Wheelhouse is end of November. And that one's our big one. Yeah, that one the is keys. the big focus. Those, those are, are the, the big yeah. ones. And then we've peppered some other ones, like small ones throughout the year. Like we just did a special one in July, Buggy Nights with the... Mm-hmm. Uh, Rise of... Mm-hmm. The... Yeah. <laughs> 
the cinnamon like sugar donuts inspired from by caramel the donuts. Roll. Yeah, they're Amish crack donuts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, do so, you, what do you guys have planned for the fall and winter? Anything fun? Besides getting through wheelhouse, wheelhouse like surviving that, because that yeah. literally, I mean, yeah, it's just it's crazy. Because we got a lot of barrels to rack. You know, there's we start with like, you know, once wheelhouse has been in the barrels x amount of time, we start doing barrel QC, which means we have to drill each barrel and and put a vinny nail in it. So it's like the best way to sample a barrel aged beer. But we'll uh, we call it pulling nails, and that's what you do. I mean, basically, it's like we're checking each barrel. Really kind of just starts off with, is this good? Is this bad? Are there any detractable characters in here or signs of infection? Or is the barrel, like, good? Do we feel it's good enough to blend? And we just kind of go through the list. And it, it's a systematic process now because we have so many barrels. I mean, we had 36 filled for Wheelhouse this year. Wow. Um, yeah, which is huge for us because it basically takes up the whole back room. You've been oh, yeah. back there. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. We, like, last, I mean, we you did walk the, through it. I mean, there's no room There's back no there. room. Yeah. And yeah. we were there for the Viking funeral yeah. release. And uh, if you haven't seen that video, please check it out. That was really cool. It was but awesome. all yeah. the uh, barrels <laughs> that you guys had back there, it was just stacked. Yeah. And I think we even featured it in that video. You did. Yeah, you yeah. did. Beautiful. It was cool. really cool. a really nice shot. Thanks, man. What kind of what kind of barrels do you are you putting the wheelhouse in so it's the the wheelhouse has become and will always be as long as either one of these two things are still around (laughs) um is dagger mountain coffee and journeyman not a king uh rye whiskey barrel so that's their george washington rye recipe which is like i think it's like mainly rye and there's some corn Corn, in there and that if you've never had that whiskey by itself like i had it for the first time believe it or not recently not back in the day and the the characters that i got from it were phenomenal and it just reinforced you know why that beer has become what it has you know going into those barrels so yeah so not a king rye whiskey barrels and then the uh, awesome dagger mountain coffee it's funny you mentioned george washington because one of the ideas i had was because you guys were called forefathers Mm It made it, to me in my mind is like from marketing side is like it'd be really cool because George Washington brewed his own beer. Yep. Yes, it was like a porter, right? Yeah, it, I think so. It'd be really cool to do a limited release of the George Washington beer from <laughs> Forefathers. It'd be really cool. A presidential series. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You go. yeah. yeah. that'd be neat. Yeah. <laughs> so where does the name Forefathers come from? Um, well, obviously you've been in the tap room. You see that we have a ton of. Um, American history and mm-hmm. military um, appreciation type things in there. Um, but really, the name Forefathers comes from the four main ingredients in beer, water, malt, hops, yeast. Awesome. Those are the forefathers awesome. of brewing. So that's kind of where it came from. And then it's, so it's like a almost like a double, a double meeting, a double meaning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it goes for the beer and for, I guess, our patriotic sides. That's so. really cool. Yeah. And so how long has Forefathers been in existence? I know we're kind of doing this backwards, but... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It's like back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, became a, we became a business in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, we signed paperwork for the location that we're in right now at the end of 2013, and then we opened in spring of 2014. Did that location... I feel like that location's on the up and coming. I mean, if where we're at, where you're at, because it's got the brew supply store over right, there. It's got right. that wine yeah. tasting thing. It mm-hmm. seems like they've they've really kind of upped the other retails, like at least the people renting it. Yeah, yeah we're in a we're in a nice um, uh, strip where we've got other businesses that seem to complement our business. Yeah. So I mean, that's definitely Parking has been issue. a good thing. Parking is always an issue. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just like we might have two parking spaces, you know, and then when we get really busy, it's like people are walking from up the street, you know. So, I mean, it's just, you know, that I think that's one of the main hassles and obviously our size. Sure. Like our unit's so small that, you know. But you know what, though? Anybody who's gone to enough breweries knows that sometimes you got to park a little bit away and walk. Yeah. Yeah. No, No, absolutely. That's just the way it is. We talk about that all the time. Yeah, it's like carpool or especially like when we have our events and we know that there's going to be sizable crowds, Mm we kind of just, hey, y'all know that our parking is horrible. So make sure that you plan accordingly. Figure it out. You yeah. know, and and it doesn't normally for our big events, it normally doesn't seem to keep people away. But yeah. Yeah. well know. that first that first shop of eighteenth Street in Gary in Miller was like if you got there at the wrong time, you were walking a mile in Gary. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, that's right. just the way it was. Yep. And even now, I mean if you go to that's the Hammond true. location jammed, you're walking. Mm-hmm. Right. Windmill has no parking. Oh really? Oh, really? Uh, yeah. oh they got negative parking. <laughs> Well, they're right across from that hospital in Dyer, oh, and so right. they're, they like right. they've got the the like probably eight spots in their parking lot, and then like six right in front. So you really have to plan that one out too. That's sure. why they moved their anniversary party across the street to that like Reader Park or whatever. Huh. Okay, because it just was not yeah, enough parking, not you know. Enough. So it's a, I think it's a thing that most breweries deal with. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a blessing to have it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. Yeah, for sure. Yes. We are definitely, you know, without revealing too much. I mean, we're trying. We're in the process of figuring out what the next step is. Yeah, you know? awesome. awesome. You know, we have we've looked at a couple things. Some things have kind of got put off to the side, or we've stepped away from. But yeah, we're looking at the uh, what the brewery is going to become. Yeah. Hopefully by. <clears throat> 2019 we'll see well the, i mean every time i've gone there you've had a great reception yeah so you definitely have a following people are into it mm-hmm. you know yeah. so that's really great and so i can't wait to see what that next stage is it's yeah. beautiful we're excited for it yeah. you know it's just, just getting there and the work towards getting there and making oh, sure everything feels right and you know that's that's the part that yep. you know it's a grind owning it a is. small business is a grind it is. and Absolutely. there's anybody who tells you otherwise is just crazy oh. yeah. i want their magic potion yep yeah <laughs> you know? exactly i think it's interesting too and we you know we try to stay on top of reading as much as possible because in this in the growing market because you still have you have a lot of breweries like a lot of breweries coming online some coming offline right. you know but the market is like really getting tight and I think you have to, that forces everyone to be creative. And mm-hmm. so we're looking at, you know, what is what is the best direction like for us? Like how should we position ourselves? What should we look at? And part of that has, you know, and we didn't even know it at the time, but has led us to some out of state distribution, mm. which I think and, and it has opened up, has put us in the face of some interesting markets. So, yeah. you know, we're kind of hoping that's gonna keep growing and blossoming as well, because if that does, then that might, you know, I read a really interesting article how that, you know, people tasting your beer in markets outside of your current, like your current locale, trying your stuff. And then if you're if you're touching base with a beer fanatic and they like what they had and they want more and then they go online and they say, oh, my gosh, they they released this one beer this year. You know, I haven't been able to get it through the current channel. Let me get online and do an ISO on this, you know, and then that'll drive people that are local to come in, buy the beer, and then trade it off to so-and-so. So So it's a really interesting marketing approach that's out there right now. And so, I mean, those are things we're considering as well. So, I mean, that seems like a huge endeavor, Mm -hmm. right? Because now (laughs) it's, like, easy to focus in on, like, you know, the 25 surrounding miles. Yeah. But when you start opening it up to that, so... You mentioned distribution. I mean, where are you being distributed now? In the state of Indiana and everywhere else, or? 
Well, we've actually um, signed with this uh, company in Seattle. They're called Tavor, T-A-V-O-U-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are an app-based company um, that it's, I don't want to call it a beer of the month club, but it's something similar to that where you mm-hmm. can download the app. Membership is free. Oh, cool. They source beer from small breweries all over the country. Yeah. And they will put beers up on the app. They'll do write-ups. They'll, they'll you know, basically list um, how much you can order and, and all of that. And then you can click on there, get it, and then you tell them how much you want and it goes into a crate for you. And then, you pay for it right then uh, yeah, and you there, pay for it right then and there. It goes cool. into your crate. They hold on to it for you. And then once you fill the crate, they'll ship it to you. Yeah. Wow. So I just feel like, and so we have seen, you know, check-ins and untapped and Twitter and things like that, you know, f- you know, from California to Massachusetts. Yeah. I mean, just kind of been all over the country. People have been getting shipped our beer That's and awesome. have been have yeah. been choosing it on their app too, which is cool to me. It's like, oh, I'm interested in that, and yeah. you know, they they order our beer and then. Um, Barrel Age Wheelhouse last year was the first beer that they got. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of set the uh, that kind of set the tone, and that got mm-hmm. really great response from the customers from Tavor that that ordered it through them, and yeah. then. Oh, so you um, can go back on and rate it on top of it. I think there is a, a rating function through their through app. Through Tavor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wow. believe because they've uh, we've seen some some communication with yeah, them. Yeah, it's got over four stars or Tavor whatever ratings. on them. Yeah, yeah. Tavor. But it, we're we're so grateful for that opportunity because it really just fell in our lap. Like they came to us because mm-hmm. apparently someone had something in a beer trade. Yeah, they had they had really wheelhouse. They, they had. actually no had way. wheelhouse in a beer trade. Yeah. And then they reached out to us and say, hey, yeah. can we get some of your, your beer shipped out here? And of course, we were like, this seems too good to be true. Yeah. So I was like very kind of skeptical skeptical, sure. and a little harsh on the guy because I was like, I'm, I don't want to get taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it has been nothing but easy yep. and, and just a wonderful thing. And you can get Tavor beers in Indiana, yeah, they, too. No, so like they just you, launched in They Indiana. just launched in Indiana. Yeah. So you can go on there and... They will um, have a list of beers every day for you to kind of scroll yeah. through, and it it's won't be anything because we're it still consumers. It won't be anything local, too. though. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, just, like, yeah, producers. absolutely. We're still consumers, and she's <laughs> and I'm sure you can use your account yeah. to buy more beer. Yeah, because yeah, we've looked at. It, uh, I have like, the oh, Tavor app on my yeah. phone, and I'm like, it's dangerous. They really seek out some great stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's it's really neat to see what they have on there. It's like. I mean, you know, you get, you would have no other option to get these unless you were going directly to these breweries or finding them in a trade. So this right. almost kind of like bypasses that whole process. So awesome. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. neat. So how important, I mean, because it seems like the bottle releases are almost an integral part of the marketing plan for any brewery at yeah. this point. And Absolutely. You, and so how does that buy into it? Because I'm guessing they're not, they're not like a place like Tavor is not really interested in like all the beers you're making. They're interested for the special ones, right? Uh, Yeah. I they mean, they've put in orders for just like some of our uh, regular beers. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they uh, we just shipped out take the cannoli and mm-hmm. uh, milkshake gadget. Yeah. So and those aren't special release beers of nope. ours. They're just ones that you know they they, they wanted an entire list of every single beer we've ever done for yeah. them to pick and choose from, and they you know they sent us a list of what they wanted. So so awesome. Um, some of them are like wheelhouse or Viking or sloth, yeah. like the ones that we do release, you know, throughout the year. But um, some of them are just regular, yeah. regular beers. They that seem we brew. to be pretty data driven too. Like they'll yeah. look at, they know what sells. Yeah. Oh really? So that's yeah. why they'll. The, she asked us to send like a list of everything that we could possibly package and ship. 
which was a very exhaustive list. But like, you know, it took her like two or three weeks to sit down and go through it and go, yeah, this, this would work, this would work, this would work. And so they just kind of pick and choose what they want, and then we put it on the schedule. Yeah, you know? and then That's when they awesome. get those beers, they know kind of from like past history, like what markets to open those beers up to first. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to open it up on the you know West Coast first, and yeah. then if there's any left, we're going to open it up here and here and here. So yeah, I mean, they, they kind send of us pocket their data it too, which is yeah. cool. That's so yeah. cool because it really yeah. can help you plan, right? Yeah, right. we get to see like what states it goes to and how many bottles are sold to each state. So I mean, yeah. it's a really cool. Uh, thing for us and it so. also shows us too like if we ever do grow to a point where we can handle some like burst distribution or something we could see the states where we've performed well you right. know that's and we so can cool target those markets yeah, yeah. are so. the trends different across the country in different markets i think so and per beer yeah really yeah, yeah. So it's do, like do you, you see examples? like certain like um California seems to be like, and I don't know if it's just like populations larger, you know, that that seems to be like heavily, you know, purchased. But I just, I feel like um, this, like the stouts that we've sold them have Mm -hmm. gone uh, quicker. Um, Coasts. Yeah, coasts are. And then hot, less yeah. in the like the central states, but yeah. really, yeah, yeah which is interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, but I don't know if it's because the central states maybe feel like they could they're closer to us and might have access in another yeah. way as opposed to like being further away from us. You know, I don't, yeah. so geography might play a part. How but I mean, it's just really that. interesting. Yeah, it's re- it is very cool. That is interesting because you now it makes it like it opens up a whole nother level of conversation, right? It's like how much of it is geographic and yeah. why is why is darker beers selling more on the coast? Right. And is it seasonal? <laughs> right. right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like, right. is there is there a season for the for like the drinkable beer? Yeah. Right. The Pilsner right. on right. the coast. Right. You know, because I would have guessed if you would have been like, like Pepsi taste challenge me. I would have been like, <laughs> California would be lighter beers. I would have just said it. We're yeah. East Coast. I would have sure. said a darker beer, but I'd, right. maybe because I was, I've been out there more for beer stuff. Sure. Yeah. Right. But yeah. No, yeah. it's very interesting. It is very interesting. But it's just, it's one aspect and one um, like facet of our business that's been growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we've loved every minute of it this year because yeah. it seems like every couple months we're shipping you know a couple pallets out to us. So cool, yes. which is really cool. Is there any kind of events or beer fest that you'd like to attend eventually and pour at? Well, we're gonna be at the Extreme Beer Fest in Boston yeah. in February, so oh, we're super cool. excited about that. Boston's one. a great city too. Yeah, it is absolutely. It's one of our yeah, yeah, we it's love a good it one. there. Yeah. We're gonna take a. Um, a Barrel aged, uh, take the cannoli. Yeah, it's that's going to be of one ones. of our extreme beers. Because that that festival, that's brand new to us. We just kind of learned about it, you know, uh, just kind of through Beer Advocate or whatever. Because they're part of that whole fest. Um, but it's neat because they they are very strict. They said you can't bring a double dry hop, double IPA. <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, like, like they don't want just like a milkshake. They IPA. want nice. you know, they, they want techniques, yeah. experimental techniques. You know, cool different ingredients. Yeah. Well, there's so many beer fests at this yeah. point. Okay. People have to start taking yeah. like ownership of what's going to make you stand out above the other ones. I, right. I mean, yeah. we've already, because of what we're doing, we've got we've had inquiries to cover a couple beer fests. Yeah. And before, like two weeks before the event, they're canceling them because there's just not enough people to go. Sure. You know? Yeah, the beer fest thing is, for us, a struggle because we have so little manpower. Sure. That we have to to think about well, how are we going to staff a brew fest and the tap room, you know? And is it going to be worth? And is it going to be worth us being there? Right. Um, there are some brew fests that you know don't pay well, 
you know, mm-hmm. for the breweries that that bring their beer, you know, and they want you to bring a certain amount, and you know, and that's rough, especially for small guys like us, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, being in situations where you're almost donating it, you know, is tough. But and being, I, I've been on the side of poor and drinker at beer fest, <laughs> and man, is that two completely different experiences? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. yeah. The poor is like you're in control, you're having a couple beers, but like you don't. I, I at least I didn't was like felt weird getting wasted. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you see how wasted the people there are. Yeah. And it kind of keeps you in check. Mm-hmm. I'd poured it one time in uh, in Long Island. Okay. Uh, for my buddy, he owns a beer uh, called Radiant Pig. Okay. Out there, it's an awesome brewery. Cool. He's been in. He's been doing it for like five years. He got me on the scene, and that's what it kind of. He's he, been he home brewed and then turned into a gypsy brewer. That's awesome. So he didn't have like a brewer brewery at all. For those who aren't familiar with that, and he had to go rent out breweries to do his batches, and he signed on with a distributor, and so now he's got like six beers. Cool. In tap, and I went out there. I tried to go out there as much as I can. And we were out there, and it's just like there's. It's like the the crowd changes per hour. Oh yeah. yeah. It's yes. like the first hour is like everyone's really excited about learning about the beer. Sure. And it's cool, and it's safe, and it's fun. Yeah. And then by hour four, it's like the zombies. Yep. Yes. No, you hit the nail on no, the head. No, absolutely. And, and that, they're just and they're just like, yeah. they don't even care what you're pouring for them. They're just like, give me whatever you got left. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care. And they so hopefully care. when the beer fest, the people are like putting these together by, I think, making it more niche. Right. It's yeah. a betterment for the for not yes. only the, the poor, but the consumer. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you hit the nail on the head. And that's something that we struggle with and like. Because we want to make sure if we're giving up margins on our beer to be at these events, you know, because the, the what how they market it to you right. as a brewery is, well, this is this is marketing. People are going to see you, which is true, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, are they going like, to remember you? Yeah. Are they? Are <laughs> we making? Are we making meaningful connections? Yeah. You know, are we making connections yeah. that are going to you know remind people or, or people are going to remember like. Yeah, I really like their beer, and I want to go in there and, and get more. So those are definitely conversations her and I have. Oh, yeah, because time. you've got the person walking up to the poor, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, hey, I'd like to try that one. You literally have 20 seconds to make them something for like they don't forget. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you almost, it's weird. So and you got to like, come up with your best sales pitch in like five in, seconds. In five seconds, and yeah. then, then you're losing them. They're yeah. either not coming back or like you, you don't want to over talk. Right. Because right? yep. there's another person behind them. And yep. then maybe that's kind of where the, the people who are kind of perceived to be dicks <laughs> kind of help them. <laughs> sure. Because it, it's a more of an impactful thing in yeah. five seconds. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. Yep. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Um, but uh, how important is the untapped and everything like that when it comes to like social platforms that kind of rate your beers? How important is that to or how integral is it to a brewery? Is We're it, still figuring that part out. Because, yeah. I mean, we, you know, I mean, there's some really great articles that have been written. See, that's what I love about what's happening with the craft beer world is because now people are kind of paying attention to certain things. There's been articles that talk about, like, you know, it's great that, that you have these, like, you know, things like Untapped where people are checking in and they're socializing over your beer mm-hmm. electronically. But then you, you, you balance that with, like, well, I got people sitting in my tap room and it's like, are they on their phones? Are they checking in on tap? Are they actually like communing? You know, right. are they talking to each other? Are they, so there's, there's that balance. And then the flip side of it too, is taking everything with like a grain of salt as a brewer, because it's like, I mean, you'll have somebody who's just getting into craft beer and they'll tank your beer, you know? <laughs> and then you'll have the next person that literally checks into that beer, gives it four and a half caps. So I mean, it's like you yeah. have, you have yeah. to you have to have. I don't want to say a thick skin, but you have to be able to kind of look at things. You know, I don't know. Well, and some people like are, 
you know, you have to get, have a thick skin about other people's opinions about yeah. your craft because you take it personally. It's like, I created that. That's mine. It's my yep. baby. And then, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you're seeing people almost like rip it apart and you get defensive, but then you just have to step back from it and just everyone's palettes are different. Sure. Everyone is going to appreciate things differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't control what other people think, but you can control how you respond to it. And sure. that is, yeah. you know, just kind of the attitude that we have. And we just try to be be respectful and if people are you know i don't know we just try to present ourselves away with the highest amount of integrity possible so. well that's the best no, way to do. I, you know. I think that's a that's a good point because it's like even if they didn't like our beer even if they said some some awful things about it they still tried our beer and you got to be grateful for that absolutely you know? sure they either decided to purchase it themselves or I mean, you hope that that it does end up in a, another purchase, or you know, even though I didn't like this, I'll give a, a different one. Yeah, I'll give another one a try. Right. You know, yeah, absolutely. Well, and beer is so weird too because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has their first taste of beer and is like, I love the taste of that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think anybody's I think that's liked it. All of our childhood. <laughs> yeah, the, the first beer is the first. I remember like my first beer was an ice house, and I was like yes. 15, yeah. and that first taste was like, why am I drinking this? But then you get super wasted, and it's like that's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then it's like this whole thing to where you start. It's an acquired taste, so yeah. you start to have more. You you start to like, you know, um, when you start to get bored with one or you don't find anything, then you start to kind of expand your palate, right? right. You dip mm-hmm. into it. Um, I know my first real craze that got me into the craft one was um, 18th Street, and I've had a lot of craft beer beforehand, but it was 18th Street's um, Deal with the Devil. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first beers Double I had pale. that was yeah, yeah it was citra. citra. It was like the yeah. right in the beginning of the citra craze, yeah. and it was just it blew me away that a beer can be that that good mm-hmm. you know right on and so it's like okay well that that's going to open the door so then we started brewing ourselves and yeah. started kind of really f- fostering that but even to this day in a way whether i realize it or not i'm judging a lot of the beers i'm having because of that first experience right, right? absolutely you yeah. know and so yeah. it's really strange because like initially the reason why i never really loved craft beer because it was like all about who can lose the most taste buds in beers <laughs> at one point because sure. it was like those rock bottom breweries when those first came out, it was like, which beer do you want? The one that's super, super hoppy or super hoppy? Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was no yeah. intro. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. it was just right into it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And so then now as time went on, it's really interesting to see. And that's where I'm, I'm curious to see where this hazy IPA where trend, where that's going to lead yeah. in, where that's going to spawn from a beer drinking side. And how much does it matter to like where you're getting your current ratings in yeah. the ones that are like rookies sure. into the beer yeah. game that want to judge harshly? Yeah. It's no, and that it, it's funny. I think that that style has spawned more conversations than it between all of us as producers yeah. than anything else so far. Because there is, I mean, I think if you kind of understand the progression of the style and like where it originated, like it makes sense, you know, that a lot of people would glom onto that because, like, the alchemist, like, they're. You know, Hetty Topper was like, I mean, that, you know, I consider that icon for the style, you know, because that's kind of, you know, that New England approach, that hazy, the specific type of yeast, the type of water, how you're hopping it and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think, and people really loved that beer. People Mm -hmm. talked about that beer. So that started this, I feel like this exponential growing effect of breweries trying to encapsulate that. And we were, I I would say, you know, standoffish for a little while. Sure. You know, it's like, because I remember when we released the gadget. Originally. Originally. Like, (laughs) not not that we produced it in that way, 
but you know we added like a, a lot of mango to it and that led to the beer being hazy it looked like juice it did it looked like like yeah. orange juice and i remember people yeah. were like you know i mean you could go back on our untapped page and go back to those first check-ins and they're like oh it's so hazy it looks yes. like juice yeah gross. it's gross you know <laughs> and it's like we worked so hard yeah. to get um our beer is like just like crystal, crystal clear, clear no sediment, crystal clear. Right. And then the hazy thing started and we actually struggled to get our beer hazy. Like, because I mean, <laughs> like, the first time we did the, the milkshake gadget, we tried to make it like hazy and whatever. Mm. And it was perfectly clear. Yeah. We're like, oh man, oh my God. <laughs> didn't work out. But yeah, when we were brewing our beers, we would, we would literally buy those tablets to help clarify the yep. beer. Like whirl flock tabs and stuff. Yeah. And, and, that, sure and then it. it's like crazy to see it kind yeah. of get turned upside down which is good right change it's, is it's good. not as much of a stress now it doesn't have to be this perfect right. you know visual thing you know the haziness is actually attractive to people now too so how, how do you, you experiment? can have it both ways i was uh, you, okay i didn't mean to step on you there no you're fine uh, but how do you experiment on the flavor do you have a like a like a pilot system that you just kind of like say no, no you just go for it huh just go no. for it yeah every no every batch is at least a three and a half barrel batch yeah. in, in no the brewery. Way. and we have only dumped one we look Beer. at small batching right now just with our current setup as being too much of a hassle. <laughs> so we're just like, we feel good about a recipe and a lot of times we'll just go for it, you know. Yeah. But I, I, what I love, like that style in particular, like I think once we finally kind of put down the egos a little bit over like the, well, we used to do it and like it was hazy and, you know, people didn't like it. You yeah. know? <laughs> I think once we actually started digging into it and looking at the technicality of how you brew that style, it became a challenge, you know. Yeah. And and like, like Beth was saying, like it, you know, how do we keep the haze in the beer, which is a crazy <laughs> QC thing. It's like, you know, that didn't exist 10 years ago, yeah. you know. So, but that, and then also like, you know, understanding how, how much yeast plays a role in that, how much like your water chemistry plays a role yep. in, in the final product. I think that once we finally started just like looking at it as like an, a learning experience, um, that's when I think we started brewing good examples of the style. It's interesting. Know? Yeah. 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 It's really crazy because yeah. in a way the experimentation leads to the better beers. Yep. Absolutely. Which is crazy. Yeah. And so how do you know when one's good or not? Is it on your taste buds or is it on like the sales part of it? No, I think it's it, both. It's, yeah, it's, it's a definitely a little bit of, a little bit of so both. So if you blow through a keg, like, like you know tomorrow, you're like, well, I think we found one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, <laughs> I think yep. Judo Natsumo was probably, we felt our first real New like England. stab at the style, yeah. you know? And we so all quick. felt good about it. Like mm -hmm. we all were like, this is tasting exactly how we wanted it to taste. It's looking exactly how it's we want it to look, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and we put it out there and sure enough, I mean, it moved. So yeah. crazy. So that that's a great example. But I mean, there's been other beers where we're like, this is great. This beer is going to do so good. And then it tanks. And we're like, okay, well, yeah. how did do? we not see that coming? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. we like it, you know, <laughs> and he's hypercritical too. I mean, mm -hmm. he's, we well, have that scientific mind, right? Yes, yes, he does. So, I mean, that's always a challenge too. Is that you know, I'll She's try to bring him down. Down, down. You know, like okay, <laughs> <laughs> it tastes really good. Trust yeah. your instincts. You know, Still don't be so hypercritical. Yeah. You know, but but that's hard. It is because especially when you're a perfectionist. You want to just be able to make sure everything is your best output. Yep. Absolutely. We run into it all the time with our videos. I mean, there's times where it's just like, oh, I can't release that. That's a piece of shit. But no one really knows. <laughs> no one really knows. Right. That's what's hard about it, you yep. know? Yep. Um, and, it, and it creates a lot of problems inside the deadline situation, too. Mm -hmm. And like talking about what you guys are, are saying when even with the, with the videos we do, um, we could put the most production time into a video. 
and think it's going to be a monster, right. and then crickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crickets are just like, what happened, you know? And then there's this one video, I'll never forget it. It was uh, the last blizzard we had. Okay. Uh, one of our contributors, Joel Henderson, he came on, and he's he was running around with his drone. He's like, hey, would you want a drone shot of the square on, on the blizzard? And I'm like, sure. And it was like the day of. And uh, he's like, all right, I'll send it over. Send it, send me over. It was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't have anything to post. I'll throw it up there. And it had twenty five thousand views. Wow! Oh it's like, gosh. what the hell? That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. It's like the stuff we care about yeah. is like falling short, and the stuff we don't care about is blowing up. It's, <laughs> yeah, who That's knows? Interesting. No, people are interesting for sure. Yeah, so you I can't mean, predict what they like, what they don't like, and what they're behavior is going to be it's all educated guesses yeah Yeah. absolutely i think you gotta you you gotta appreciate any small business as almost like a you know a learning experience almost like a i want to say a social experiment but it's like people are your customers so it's like in everyone's tastes everyone's opinions are different and it's like they're yeah. a, they're a variable that you absolutely cannot control. It's like you can control right. your your products to the best of your ability, but how it sells and what people's interests are, I mean, it's just an unknown variable. <laughs> That's why we just we love every single person that comes in that door. Yep. You know, yeah, yeah. That's all you can do. Us, yep. you know? Yeah, and, and if there especially are especially our mug club, those yeah. people are amazing, amazing yep. people. So what's the Some mug club them, all about? Um, we have our two hundred. Uh, that joined when we first opened it up and uh, they get a mug, they get a t-shirt, we do special things for them throughout the year. Like we're gonna do a bottle share with just them and like a potluck mm-hmm. for Christmas. That's this year. awesome. So, like, yeah. You know, and um, you know, they have their own mug, they come in, they fill it, you know, and it just, and they come in often enough, a lot of those people feel like family to us. Some of them have actually become family. Like um, our goddaughters are two of our mom club members that became like really good friends that kind of became family. So like, you know, and we have a lot of our mug clubbers that are like that, where we just, we know them, they walk in, we know name, we know mug number, you know, and they keep us in business. They support us like no one else. And I just, we love them to death, you know. And they are also the ones that are going to tell us what what's what's hear. good, what's yeah, bad, yep. you right. know. Like they're going to be the ones that are going to be 100% honest yeah. with us too. Sure. And, and there's so a, we appreciate that. And let's be honest, right? Like there is over honesty. And most, you know, there is. Yeah. So it's like, you don't, you don't really want to hear everything. Right. Sure. But, you know, there is there is something to say about having a, a group of people you confide in and trust yep. that aren't willing, are willing to tell you when something may not be good. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to hear that from everybody. Right. Right. Because then you're not, then you've lost your identity, you know, essentially. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's really important to kind of stay true to that and have yeah. those people you can confide in. And it's awesome to hear that that exists for you well, guys. No, especially so, like those people we know are like forefathers lifers. We know that they'll and like they'll follow us wherever we go. If we expand, if we don't, if we stay where we are, they will be there, and they want us to stick around. They want what's best for us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a commitment there. I feel, and so there's a valuable relationship both ways. Sure, you know, sure. And so we appreciate any feedback that they give. Mm-hmm. You know, very much. You yeah, know. Absolutely. That. And then you're talking going back to your social experiment of, <laughs> of, of people. It's yep. really interesting how almost every brewery can have its own culture. Yep. Yes. It's crazy. And Very awesome. community focused culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then you sprinkle in people that want to come in from outside the area too, which is great. Really you know? great. And it's just neat to kind of see how all that works. Who's, but it is the community that I think any small brewery, it's like you can't forget. 
that that's what you can't forget the people that are directly around you those are the people that are you know going to frequent your business more than anybody else it's like yeah people from out of state might come to bottle releases or parties and spend a decent amount of money but those people who earn a a paycheck in your community and come and spend it with you those are the people that you really need to focus on if you open a tap room you are tied to that community absolutely and you have to respect that you know and it's and you have to never forget that that it's those people who are, you know, right. 80, 90% of your customers coming in, you yep. know? So, yeah. And doing things to make sure that. And we get told we have a cheers feel at the brewery. People walk <laughs> yeah. in and we're like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I love that. I love yeah. that response that we get from customers, you know? And, and I got told actually like last week that not to underestimate the power of my face which they basically mm-hmm. are saying like my yeah. presence in the tap room my relationship with the customers because i i am there the majority of the time you know and then it's like it's not just the beer it's not just the environment it is the people too yep. you know it is not just the product that's bringing them in it is the feel and the family feel of you know what we do there that's you know? awesome well, is there, is there, I think that's a good place to leave off at, even though I feel like I can talk to you guys for hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is a never ending question and answer. Um, is there any place that the people can find you that you want to kind of let them know? Um, we've actually uh, kind of curtailed some of our distribution just because uh, we have focused a lot on the tap room and then some of our out of state stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, we do have a list on our website of places where liquor stores, restaurants that you can find our awesome. product rotating through. So yeah. check so. that out. And if it's yeah. not if it's not on the shelves at your local liquor, liquor store, ask them. You know if they can to get some four fillers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we'll have a conversation. But yeah. I mean, definitely <laughs> come out to Wheelhouse. That's the biggest thing. That's November twenty fourth, right around the corner. Saturday. We'll yeah. be here before you know it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Is that is that the Black Friday? Am I get that wrong? It is it's, Small Business yeah. Saturday. Yeah. So, oh, okay. so we've yes. always released that beer on Small Business Saturday. We can't compete so. with uh, Goose Island and Bourbon yeah. County on, no, on no. Friday. Friday. Like, yeah. oh, it's man. not, uh, we're not interested in that, but we like the uh, Small Business Saturday, the mm-hmm. small community focused day of, of releasing awesome. that. Yeah. So. Well, we'll be able to run in tandem there because Friday, that Friday, we're, we're hosting our second uh, Laugh Local. Oh, our cool. comedy show and it'll nice. be at Crown Brewing this year. Nice. Uh, this this quarter we had we ran one and it was awesome. We released like thirty tickets and sixty eight showed up, Very and it was cool. really cool. That's awesome. And it took over our business like that <laughs> outside that you guys our, our lobby. It was yeah. just littered with people and it gets so hot up here, and so it was like we can't do that anymore. And those stairs are brutal. Yeah, they are. They're they tough are. to get out. Yeah. They are. And it was BYOB, so people were coming up here having beers, and then taking them down. It's like we can't. Oh boy. <laughs> you don't yeah. want to hear that. No, no. I'm <laughs> I've got the insurance to cover me, but I'd rather not have to use yeah. it. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, but yeah, so then, uh, so Laugh Local Friday, and then um, the Wheelhouse release on Saturday is really cool. Yeah, we'll awesome. have to figure out a way to f- maybe do some stuff in the future. Because yes. be fun. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I'm guessing forefathers across all platforms: Facebook, Twitter, yep. Instagram. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. Tavor. Tavor. Untapped. The more important ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, another net. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thank you. Later. Thank you. Awesome. I'm serious, <laughs> <laughs>
Who would it be?